You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members for members. In Season 7, members discuss special education with Venus Reeve. Welcome back to OEA Grow Season 7. I'm your host, Venus Reeve, and this season we are exploring special education. Today we are speaking with two special education teachers, Alicia Chavez-Downing and Alejandra Seychow, about the intersection of learning disabilities, lagging skills, and behavior. Thank you both so much for being here today. And before we get going with the topic, I'd love to learn a little more about each of you. Um, Would you share a little bit about yourselves with our listeners? And Alejandra, would you be willing to go first? Of course. Um, So I am a special education teacher in Salem-Kaiser. And um, I, my first three years, I was in a learning resource classroom and serving kiddos from kinder to fifth grade. And this is now my third year in a self-contained program, um, third through fifth grade. Um, Majority of my students um, are impacted with autism or in other health impaired um, where they need more um, like a higher adult to student ratio um, setting. So that's my experience. Fantastic. Alicia, will you share with us a little bit about yourself and the role you play as a special education teacher? Of course. Thank you, Venus, for having Alejandra and I here today. Um, Like Venus said, my name is Alicia Chavez-Downing. I am a K-2 intensive skills classroom teacher in Portland Public Schools. Um, And I believe this is my eighth ninth year um (laughs) I don't know it tends to get blended after five you know um (laughs) and it's it's like Alejandra I kind of do a similar thing to Alejandra uh I but I work with k2 students most of my students are impacted um other health impairment uh physical needs um medically fragile um it's kind of a blend of all the things. Um, but again, it's like Alejandra said, it's students who require medical, medical procedures or protocols and kids who need, um, lower student to adult ratio. Just like, just like she said. Fantastic. Thank you. So, um, and we can just ping pong back and forth. I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on all of our our questions here. So for folks who are new to the game and kind of learning around, um, learning about special education with us, what is a learning disability? A learning disability is um, when students or a child might have difficulty in in one or more areas of learning, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it could be that a student has a hard time, um, has like math reversals, say, like numbers Mm -hmm. are reversed or letters are reversed or has difficulty with handwriting or um, has difficulty with um, learning letters and sounds. Um, Mm. I don't know if you want to add more to that. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, no, that's a it, that's a great start. I think it's really hard because learning disability is definitely something that we can't see, right? Anybody yeah. that we interact with can be experiencing a learning disability, but it's not like a um, a student with autism or a person experiencing down, right? Like where we can visibly see some of those. Um, um, what are we? Uh, kind of those markers aspects or, of yeah. the yes, the the markers, yeah. Thank you. Um, so learning disability, I think a lot of like when a student is struggling with reading and math, but are doing well with writing, right? It's something mm-hmm. co- like cognitively impacting their ability to fully um, reach their potential in a certain category. It could be like um, sometimes ADHD falls within this category. Sometimes uh, communication can impact um a student's academic ability, um, you know, to access the curriculum. Um, so things like that. Um, but sometimes it could also be like a behavior, um, disorder or some, something behavioral that is causing them to, um, have difficulties with their learning. It's kind of like how I would explain it. (laughs) Oh, that's excellent. Um, it kind of leads right into to where we're headed today, which is, you know, all of these things kind of coming together. But understanding first that learning disability is that wider, broader category of things that can impact and are not automatically visible. Oh, that was such a good point that, wow, it's not something that you're just going to see. You're not going to assume um, that this is an impact that the child might be dealing with. So having a learning disability um, and you talked a little bit about kind of answering the next question about how it impacts development in acquiring letter sounds or being able to do math and understanding number value and things like that. Are there other ways, and you mentioned behavior just a little bit, but could you share a little more about how these uh, impacts look and what happens with skill development um, with a student when they have a learning disability? And Anybody wants to go first? Feels weird calling on someone like I'm in the classroom. Okay, your turn. <laughs> yeah, um, I can I can get us started. Um, I think kind of I mentioned it previously, right? Um, because we can't see it, and I think I think back to my time um, in the learning resource classroom um, when we were diagnosing a lot of finding a lot of kids eligible for a learning disability. Um, it's we see their skill like we see their skills lagging and they're struggling like they're they're struggling in the classroom right and so oftentimes as they get older especially I'm trying to think of like my older elementary kiddos that are that have been struggling and just kind of going under the radar um Mm -hmm. that's where we start seeing um more of the discrepancies and then that's where we see the behavior coming out or we see the like oh they're just not doing it because they don't care or they don't have anybody at home to help them. Like we start kind of digging into like our biases and like how we see the world um, because they're really just doing their best, but they can't really like, they don't know what's wrong. Right. They don't know how to ask for help because it's just something that they've they've been struggling with. And so um, that's, I think, where we see the behavior coming out. And like, um, and I, I like to remember something that one of my um, 
mentors told me was behavior is communication. And so we need to think Mm -hmm. a lot about like, what is their behavior trying to tell us? Like, is it telling us that I can't do this, but I don't want to look like the fifth grader that is struggling because I'm a fifth grader and I should know how to read, but I'm reading at a first grade level. Right. And so I'd rather be the naughty kid than the kid that doesn't know how to do it. That's fantastic. Alicia, I see you nodding your head. Uh, um, I agree. In my experience, I mean, when I often have new paraeducators in the classroom, I, I kind of share them that with them too. I like that that behavior is communication. And um, in my experience of working with students who have a learning disability, I mean, it shows up in as frustration and being upset because most of the time they are totally aware in a general education setting that that what goes around goes on around them and they could see like that something might be so easy for other kids that is really really difficult for them and you know if there's some kind of comorbidity like if they if there's like speech problems or um some kind of social disorder or even um, mental health issues like anxiety and ADHD, it makes it harder to communicate and understand what mm. might be going on and what and how it's difficult for them. And so sometimes it shows it sometimes it shows up like those behaviors, um, like work avoidance and trying to to not do something that's hard because like you can't say, hey, this is hard for me. I need help. Um, so instead I'm going to like run away from the situation. Um, and so us as educators, we need to like see that, that problem and support them. So, yeah. What do you do in a situation where, you know, you have a student and it's time to work on this thing. Um, and their response to this thing is, is avoidance of one behavior or another, whether they run or they throw the thing across the table or, you know, whatever that looks like, what do you do? Oh, the million dollar (laughs) question. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get my magic wand out. Um, Right. Yeah. That's that's a joke we have like in, in our classroom and like at our building with our behavior team. Like if only we had a magic wand and could just like fix everything. Yeah. Um, but I think this is the like the nature of special education and like just education in general. Every student is different and is an individual and like thinking about special education, right? An individualized education plan. So like, there's not one right or wrong answer. I think, um, I think it just really depends on knowing your students. Um, and it, for me, I, in the short time I've been doing this, that also seems forever. Um, I think we really have to, um, use those moments where they're, um, fully available and ready to learn to mm-hmm. teach like the pre-teaching, right? Um, it's, it really does, um, my opinion, like pre-teaching is like the most important part of teaching them. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay to have big feelings. What we need to work on is how do we express what we are feeling when we are in that, in that moment, because hitting and throwing and using inappropriate 
language towards others to be hurtful isn't always the best, but also if it needs to happen, where is it going to happen? It's not going to happen in the classroom. You can ask to go for a walk and go in like yell and do all the things. Um, yeah. I'm like also different to Alicia, right? She has kinder through second. I have third through fifth. So like a fifth graders outburst is going to look very different than a first graders. Um, but I, yeah, I think there's that. And then just um, having that relationship with the students. And mm-hmm. I think um, beyond the student, like their family, right? How can you communicate this with the family without blaming the child or without making the family feel like they are doing something wrong. Um, so yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I agree. The relationship is the big, is the big part building a genuine relationship with the student as well as like collaborating with the entire team that supports that student. Cause I'm only one person, right? But like that student has several other people that are their support team. And so um, having everybody on board and everybody on the same page is, is wonderful (laughs) and really (laughs) helps the the kid. Right. (laughs) And I think that um, once you build that relationship, it's easier to kind of figure out what might be going on. Right. Mm. So student is like you know I have a hard time making friends and any like negative attention is attention yeah and so Mm -hmm. um if they're gonna get negative attention by like you know bursting out or like making fart noises in class they're gonna continue to do it because they're getting attention from their peers even if it might be like ew you know it's a it's attention Mm -hmm. and um so kind of figuring out like, oh, well, if you want to hang out with your friends, let's do this first. And then you can have this and just really um, showing them positive ways of getting attention from friends rather than negative or unexpected behaviors. Something Alicia said that reminded me, like um, her saying, I'm only one person. I think we also have to remember, like, sometimes we aren't the best person for the student when they are escalated, right? Like, and knowing our boundaries as educators mm-hmm. um, is very important. Like if this student escalated is going to escalate me, then I need to tap out and be like, hey, um, I need you to like come and help the student because I can't right now. I'm just going to make the situation worse, right? And that doesn't say that doesn't mean that I don't care for the student. That doesn't mean that I don't want the best for them. It just means that because I do, I know I'm not the person for them right now um, to help them through it. And I think um, sometimes we blame ourselves for feeling like we can't help a student, but we also need to make sure we take care of ourselves so that we can take care of them. And so that's something I've, I've, learned over the last couple of years um but it and it is really hard it's especially mm-hmm. when you're there mm-hmm. yeah in my classroom we we often like we know with each other like if we, one of us says tag like one of us is coming in and sometimes I'm like don't get hurt if one of us comes up to you and, and says hey tag 
mm-hmm. and then take that as like, oh, okay, like we see that you're that you're struggling. And I was like, I want my parents to do that to me too. And they do. And um and so yeah, I think that's totally it's huge. It's important. That's so powerful too to recognize that we are we are humans and we are modeling how to be humans for these little humans. And part of that is saying, I need help in this situation. I need to be able to step out of this situation. You know, we, you're sharing, encouraging them and pre-teaching them to take breaks and get attention the right way. And yet here you are also giving the example of how to, how to model for them. I can take a break right now and this is how I'm going to do it to make sure that you have what you need and I have what I need and we can all get our needs met in a safe way. Um, we just need to communicate and maybe get a little help. Oh, I like that tag. My classroom, um, we used to use maple bar. Oh, there are maple bars in the staff room. You, you, I think you, let me, let me hang out here. You go get a maple bars. One time I had, I was like, no, I don't want one. You, you really want these maple bars though. They have bacon. You should, you should really go get one. And I was like, okay, I think that's my cue. <laughs> but it's just powerful to be reminded too that, hey, we are human. So I'm also hearing, and this kind of leads to our next question about what general education teachers can do to support students who are impacted with learning disabilities and and they're struggling. And the first thing that, that you guys were sharing earlier is get to know the kid and know that you have a team. And I'm wondering if you'll share a little more and um, kind of give us some tips for those folks in the general education setting. What can you do to help a kid who's struggling and impacted with a learning disability? I mean, general education teachers play a huge part of the team. Um, Sometimes they don't feel like it, but they, Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, one of the main people. Um, I think it's really important for the special education team and the case manager and the general education teacher to have some time to collaborate and consult, which, you know, we don't Mm. have. enough of in in any (laughs) school Um, and to just like talk about what's going on in the classroom because I know like my students who are mainstreamed into their classroom like I'm not I can't be in there I can't see what they're doing and so the person who knows the best is the general education teacher Um, and I think the biggest thing that the general education teacher could do too is not, um, not other the student mm-hmm. per se. Like, and so, because I think sometimes that does, does tend to happen. Like that student is part of the class is part of the community um, because they already have a hard time with that, with those social cues and that communication. And mm-hmm. so if they feel othered or different in in another aspect than what they're already feeling, it makes it more difficult for them to feel in community. Um, And some students might have like modified work or a modified curriculum and uh, just kind of embracing that everybody learns different and um, everybody might need different things to to learn and that's okay. Nice. I, I really like what um, Alicia said. I agree. Um, 
we don't have enough time to collaborate and to connect and help plan. Um, but I do think um, we just ought, like we get so stuck in our little worlds and um, we forget that we're a team. And um, I just think general ed teachers need to be comfortable or try and be comfortable to come to the case manager and say, hey, their IEP says this, or I remember talking at the meeting about this support. I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? And Mm. a lot of the times we will be, as the case managers, we will be like, oh, yeah, I already have something made for another student that's similar to, to what they need. Let me pull it up for you, and we'll talk about how to adjust it. Um, just that clear, open communication, especially when we're mainstreaming, right? Thinking about like kiddos in a self-contained program and going to gen ed, like Alicia said, like I'm not there with them because I have another eight students in my classroom. And sometimes my um, support staff can't go with them either because we have protocols for toileting or for feeding or for whatever it might be. And so um, being comfortable with saying, hey, they're really struggling at this time. Can we cut down some time and try a different time? Or can we adjust the schedule? Like just because we've already made something doesn't mean that we can't be flexible and change it, right? That's And that's the, the beauty of having an IEP and having all these supports is that it's mm-hmm. a working file. It's not a set in stone. Like we don't meet this one time and what we say is, like, is there for the rest of the year. It's We're going to it's going to be a lot of trial and error and, um, and that's okay. Um, and just making them feel welcome and in something, um, that just making them part of the classroom, making them, um, I think something that my building has done really well is, um, we are all, um, our mascot is um astro an astronaut and so we're all astros we are not like it's not my kids in my classroom it's not your kids it's our kids and um and our students like play with each other my kids go to recess with gen ed kids and so they 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 form their those friendships so that when they do go to the classroom they already have like one or two familiar faces and so I think that also goes down to um, building culture and staff culture. Um, Another thing that I just thought of too is um, really focusing on the student's strengths is also a big part in that community. Um, So if you have a, a kiddo who really likes helping and being a leader, like, give them those tasks. It's okay. If like, if they're, if they get to help and take the lunches down or they get to, you know, be the person after recess to put away the recess balls, like build on their, their strengths and what they can do instead of like focusing on the stuff that they can't do yet. You know? I love that too. The yet that growth mindset that this is mm-hmm. this is in development like you said about the IEP it's a working file we are working files um, we're all still growing so a lot of places too for for special education teachers and general education teachers and case managers and all the specialists to remember it's a team 
and that reaching out and that communication on how can I, gosh, Alicia, I have this kid and I'm not sure how to help him feel like an important part of my classroom community or our building community, that community word, um, really helping all of us feel like we're part of the same team. Um, Alejandra, you mentioned in your building, we're all Astros and we're all part of this community together. Alicia, is that something that you've found to be true in the buildings that you've worked at? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a, a journey over the last years in, in, in doing that. And I know Alejandra could probably be like, oh my gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, we're the cheetahs. Um, nice. But I'm also at a, at a dual language immersion school. So really Ooh. just like, like um, the language in our, in our, around staff is that we don't have just, just two programs. We have three programs that includes like my classroom, the dual language immersion and, and the neighborhood English scholars. And so really embracing that we are all a community. Mm. Again, that community component where everyone belongs. Imagine that. <laughs> Sounds like um, helping people feel like they belong is a big component of the work that you do to help students succeed at school. That's so powerful. So what are some other success stories that you might want to share or some fun things that you've experienced in the classroom or in your work or even tips, things that um, we haven't had a chance to talk about today that you might want to share with our listeners? Um, so since I teach kindergarten through second, uh, we start talking about you know, the sense of belonging and, and differences mm -hmm. in kindergarten. So when the kid, the kiddos come in, they, they're, they are with our students all the way up to fifth grade. Right. So, you know, if they, so by kid in kindergarten, they're learning how to like play games with students who are in wheelchairs. They're learning mm -hmm. that like, those are our friends. Like there is no difference between me and, and any of the students that are in my classroom, we're all the same. Um, and we, every Friday, we all sing songs together, which is very, very cute. Oh. And, um, and then we do this activity that's called spicy work and we, we spice it up. And, um, what our spicy work is, is that we all come together and we, the teachers will make pairs of students or triads of students and they'll have to decide what they want to play. So we'll put like a couple of play items, sensory items, um, blocks, like things that, that all students can do. And they'll have to kind of decide as like triads or groups what they want to do. And so they have to learn to communicate like I want to do blocks and if their friend is like well I want to play in the kitchen they have to like compromise with each other right Ooh, so they have to awesome. like, okay, we will play we'll play blocks for five minutes and then we can play in the kitchen for five minutes um so they have to kind of decide together what they want to do um but it's it's creating these these friendships that they're not in the class together all the time and so 
were kind of were spicing it up. And so they're playing with people that they necessarily wouldn't have the chance to play with because they're in different classes. Um, and even if there is like, and they can't separate between in spicy work either. Like if one wants to play blocks, <laughs> they can't like one go to blocks and one go to the kitchen. They have to like communicate with each other and have that conversation. And so it's learning how to, cause we have like students who only speak Spanish and are in our um, classroom or we have students who use AAC and they have to like, figure out and like the, the teachers will model it and help in, in ways so that they can clearly communicate with each other. Um, but it's, it's actually, it's really beautiful to see them um, just play authentically with each other and are genuinely. And then some of my students who are mainstreamed, more in in their classroom like have a, a larger percentage um families sometimes i'll ask families to make powerpoints about oh. them in the morning like in the beginning and so um i've had families present with the students about about them like um awesome. say if there's something that a, that a student might not see like if a student eats by a feeding tube like a kid a kid is going to be like what is that and immediately mm -hmm. be drawn by it because it's something like quote unquote different right mm -hmm. and so having a, a parent make a powerpoint like this is my feeding tube this is what it does and so it's like out in the open and then it becomes normalized like it's not a thing like oh that's how that student eats when somebody asks so that mm -hmm. the kids could also answer if another person is saying something and I've had times where like, like kids were teased and, and like another kid be like, what are you talking about? We all eat different sometimes. Like, oh, <laughs> nice. that is awesome. Um, oh. And it's what it's beautiful to see is how the things that we do in those early years and those early foundational years goes on to, to all the way to you know, fifth grade and then middle school. Like I have a student um, who we had in kindergarten who was like going to prom and like doing all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, like, like it's like, she is one of, she's one of them. She's in that community, um, you know? And so it really shows the benefits of feeling that sense of belonging early on and understanding that we're all different and we're all beautiful in whatever way we show up in the world. Mm. That is spectacular. And some really great, you know, practical ways to, I love the spicy work to get kids building <laughs> those skills. Yeah. Like, wow. I was thinking about, uh, you know, as an, as an educator, we do a lot of professional development, right? We go through a lot of trainings. And one of the things that we hear when we go, okay, we're going to do an icebreaker. And everybody goes, oh, because we have to get up and mix with people that we are not comfortable with. And yet here you are, your school is taken on. This is a way to build community. And we're going to teach kids these skills at five. It's not as adults that we don't want to meet new people. It's that we don't feel comfortable. We don't have those skills. We don't realize that we can. And so it just, it's so exciting. I want to take it back to my school. 
it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Um, I think something I've been really proud of the last couple of years um, since coming back from COVID <laughs> um, <laughs> has been um, our one of our PE teachers and I um, worked with um, our student services department and our um, director to bring unified champion schools into our building. Ooh, tell us more. Um, yeah, so here's my little plug um, for unified champion schools. Um, so it's through Special Olympics Oregon, and um, it for us it started as unified PE. So my kids have PE with a general education classroom, and they kind of like what Alicia was saying, like blending and mixing kids to be comfortable with working and playing with kiddos of all abilities at all levels, right? Um, that's, that was kind of the emphasis of it. It's not adaptive PE. It is true. Like we are playing basketball and we need to modify the basketball hoop. So we have a hoop that is shorter for our kiddos in a wheelchair or our kiddos with orthopedic Im- impairments. But how are we going to make it meaningful, right? It's like that meaningful piece um, that I think goes along with what Alicia was sharing of um that meaningful play and communication. Um, And so now it's expanded to, we have a unified kickball team. We, this year's our first year with a unified um, relay. So our um, Salem Kaiser does, um, uh, what is it? Country kid relays. And so we have um, two part, um, students with disabilities are called athletes and then students in gen ed that participate are called, are called partners. And so for the relay team, we'll have two partners and um, two athletes. And it's not like running side by side. It's like on an actual relay team. And um, it's, I'm really excited to do it. Um, We had a basketball team just earlier this year. Um, It's teaching our our entire school, um, what it means to live with a disability, what disability means, and how to make meaningful connections and friendships. Um, and kind of um, to what Alicia does with her students that go into um, gen ed and mainstream, um, teaching them that like, I might need this, and it's different, but this is what I need to be successful. And um same thing like we have kiddos that at first it started with why does that kid always cry when we go to music right like and now it's like oh they just don't like the sound because it's too much so they need headphones or whatever Mm -hmm. and so it's it's that understanding and um this is only our second year like our true second year and earlier in the year we were um awarded um a banner from Special Olympics Oregon. So we are the first uh, champion elementary school in the state that is banner recognized. So (laughs) that is one of like my proudest moments. Um, Yeah. So I'm really excited to see where it takes us. Um, We also did a um, spirit week um, in March for um, 
it was Disability Awareness Month and it's also Respect Week through Special Olympics. And so um, we took a whole week and kind of highlighted and taught um, students during their PE time, like what it, what a, a brain injury is, um, right? Mm-hmm. What um, Down syndrome is, what autism is, um, kind of highlighted a couple of the disabilities that we currently have in our building so that kids are more aware of like it's not like something that you choose to to have or do it's it's like it's who we are and highlighting those strengths Um, and it was just so beautiful to see like kids wearing tie-dye for autism awareness day and wearing green for tbi awareness and um and all the different colors it was it was really, it was really special to see it as an adult. To see awesome. when kids are given this opportunity to be community for each other. Um, and what a wonderful mm-hmm. opportunity that you guys set up and, and really taught and educated again. I want to take it back to my school. Um, so good. I'm getting happy, <laughs> happy chills, which is exactly where we want to end today. with um, Seeing all of the successes and what that daily hard work and building those relationships, even when it's not easy, even when it's a long day. And yet you really do want to have that conversation with that general education teacher, even if it's walking out to the parking lot or going to catch the bus, you you want to have that hallway meeting. Um, and so to see it being so successful in these ways that you all have brought to your communities at school and to your children is super exciting. And I thank you so much for being here and sharing this with our listeners. Um, You also mentioned some great resources and some tips. Um, So I encourage folks to go and check out Special Olympics, uh, Special Olympics Oregon, to look at the Oregon Council for Exceptional Children's website, go online. Both of these organizations have great resources for you to check out. And the Oregon Council for Exceptional Children has many grants that you can apply for to maybe bring some fun things to your schools. Um, And you do not have to be a member to apply. So Alicia, Anarajandra, thank you again so much for being here. Um, Really appreciate what you shared with us today and all the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you for having us. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit grow.oregonad.org.